0: Welcome to A Plan For That, a space for progressives to pitch in their two cents on the wild news cycles, meet with leaders and activists, and build a plan to elect an army of progressives. I'm Vince, a recovering journalist out in the Rocky Mountain West who has spent years on the fringes of the Democratic establishment working within the system to advance progressive policies. With me, as always, is my co-host, Aaron. Hey, Aaron.
1: Hi, Vince. I'm Erin, a recently activated lightning bolt of energy that demands progressive change. I'm not backing down, and hey, I'm bringing the crowd with me.
0: And I am so grateful for that crowd that you bring, because it is so wonderful to have you, our listener, here joining us every week. Welcome to A Plan For That. what we don't have is time for that. So we're going to jump right into it. Um, my note has bad curse words in it, and we're not swearing on this podcast. So I'm just going to say 750 effing dollars. I pay more in for weed in one month than our president pays in taxes, Aaron, Can you believe that?
1: I am absolutely appalled. I think that the state of having a president in power already, you know, getting security briefings and he can't even pass a a clearance. I mean, he would not get a security clearance in any other office it is beyond time that we make sure that our president is not compromised
0: that's the exact right word that's important in this i'm i'm being really angry about the small amount of money that he has paid in his taxes but we we're we're looking at the the news that came out in the new york times articles and, and and will continue to ripple out in many many great publications over the next couple of months as as the big picture like oh my gosh this man is corrupt. The the loser, the failure that we have all been saying and fighting to prove that he is for the years that he's been, on, unfortunately, on the national stage, it's all come to light. Here's the proof. He's a loser. But now we have to really dig in to figure out what kind of a loser he is, um, like, he, he's hundreds of millions of dollars in debt to the federal government of the United States, but he's also moving money through failed businesses that we have no accountability for and we have no idea where it's coming from. And watching journalists and watching researchers and watching experts dig into this data and dig into this information is going to be like Christmas every day for 2021.
1: Absolutely, Vince. And it couldn't have happened at a better time because we want to talk about an October surprise. Here's our September surprise, okay? Uh, First of all, I want to relate this back to what's on everyone's minds, myself, you, and I know a whole storm on social media about Amy Coney Barrett uh, and her nomination for the Supreme Court. Now, in light of this recent news from the New York Times, I just got to say this, Vince, and I'm not a pro, so you you go ahead and feed it back to me if I've got this right. So we have a person who has a 420 some odd million dollar loan. We don't know who owns him. Sorry, the loan. <laughs> um, and we're going to let him nominate someone to the court. Is this his nomination or is it someone else's nomination? Because I think he could be getting run like a puppet. Also what do you I think? mean
0: also important to note in there, he he's also once been impeached by the People's House. So the 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 people of the United States have once already recognized him as unfit for power and unfit to make these decisions. Um a reminder to our listeners that I am gonna be headed out to DC to DC with um a delegation of Colorado Democrats and uh, and activists in a couple of weeks here. Uh the GoFundMe link for that is pinned on my Twitter and is also going to be in the show notes for this week's episode, please help support the effort to get as many Colorado activists and advocates out there to demand uh, both that they don't fill the seat, and if they do fill the seat, to fight this nomination uh, with 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 tooth and nail, and to really, really, really put in put in the hours that we can to say that this is inappropriate and this is a. This is a bad flex. Um, while we're also out there, uh, just a shout out to the Caravan for Racial Justice, which is uh, headed by Shanika Carter here in uh, Colorado, um, that Friday, Friday, October 16th or 17th, I can't remember off the top of my head which one it is. We will be at the Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial with, uh, with, with her in the Caravan for Racial Justice. Um, that GoFundMe is also pinned on my Twitter. So please support these important causes because, my gosh, this is bad, Aaron. This is, we're going to have, like, this is bad. <laughs>
1: It Yeah, it, it, is, it is not time to sleep. It is not time to relax. We need to strap in and get ready for the bumpy ride. But the good news, guys, the good news is that this is actually arming the Democrats with a really good argument, which is, no, we're not going to be confirming anyone for this person who is now under huge suspicion and potentially a criminal risk. I mean, let's just be frank. If you're telling a bank that you don't have money, and then telling the federal government on your financial disclosures that you really do have money. Uh, isn't that a crime? I'm pretty sure lying to banks is a crime. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah. And and, and and the Republicans are, are, are doomed because it's, it, it's, it's easy for the Democrats right now to make the case that an impeached criminal should not be allowed to, to appoint a, a justice for life. And we should wait 35 days until the election is held and, and 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 see if there's going to be a lame duck session of of of, of you know, end to this one term loser presidency. Um, and, and if that's the case, then the newly installed president gets to be the one who, who makes this case. That's that's so reasonable. And the Republicans are going to have to run this criminal and and prove that the American people don't actually care. Um, which, I, I, you know, 34 days out from the election, there's a lot of work to be done and there's a lot to do still. But, I, you know, I'm very, very happy to make the argument that an impeached criminal uh, president shouldn't be allowed to, to appoint a, a judge for life, especially a judge for life who is opposed to, to the Affordable Care Act and would take immediate steps in court to start overturning health care for Americans while we're still in a pandemic. Because, oh, hey, everybody, we're still in a pandemic. That's also happening on top of this wonderful fruit salad of, uh, you know, the end of Trump's presidency here.
1: 2020 is packed full <laughs> of so many things that, honestly, Vince, I know that you and I were talking offline about this, um, or off recording, shall we say, about having a call-in show. And isn't that timed to be right before your trip to Washington?
0: It is. The week before Washington, that Sunday before, uh, we are going to be doing on our YouTube a, uh, a, a call-in show where everybody can come in. And uh, a little bit of it will definitely be some therapeutic uh, uh, group um, what is going on in the worlding? But um, as our name suggests, and as our behaviors prove, this is a plan for that where we don't want to just complain. We also want to be able to build real strategies out. And so it'll be a, a chance to get into the nitty gritty and the how to. Um, and speaking of uh, the nitty-gritty and the how-to, um, it, a really easy step while the journalists—this is the journalism episode of A Plan for That—while the journalists get to work on, uh, on, on really unfolding what Trump's tax returns are going to prove and how, how convoluted his finances really are, we do have 35 days in this very important election and uh and and the people who are going to be holding him accountable and holding this administration accountable in 2021 are up for election and old friend of the show wonderful friend of the show karen sung uh connected with you earlier today and and talked about some of the really important races that we need to focus on right now especially in light of everything of the supreme court nominee of our of our impeached criminal president like you know this end of world, end of time, wonderful fruit salad. Uh, what are we doing to fix it? Um, what are those races, Erin? What's going on?
1: <laughs> yeah, so um, we're going to get into it a little bit more detail later in the show because I'm super excited about our guest, Tahid Chapal. Um, but Karen has given me a wonderfully clear just straight down the line, these are the races that we must must win. And that is for the nightmare scenario. Yeah. So just a 30,000 foot view as as Vince likes to say, and I really love that. Um, the nightmare quote unquote is if nobody gets the electoral college win and everything looks back to the house. Um, If the House doesn't have a Democratic majority in these special areas, then everything will get thrown to the Senate because the House will not have the majority to vote. So it is absolutely imperative that we win these races. But I want to get to that a little bit later because I really want to get into the nitty gritty details. And when you brought up what journalists are doing now, I think it is so important that we talk about what journalism is and what media. Is because they are so far afield right now it's not even funny what do you think vince
0: yes absolutely we're gonna uh, we're gonna bring on our guest in a moment here tahit chappelle stick with us please i'm john ossoff
2: and too many are struggling to afford prescriptions one change in the law
3: would make a huge difference see medicare is america's biggest buyer of prescriptions but the drug companies bought off congress and they made it illegal for Medicare to negotiate lower prices. It's straight up corruption. Fighting corruption is my job.
2: I approve this message because I'm not taking donations from corporate PACs, and I won't let the drug companies rip us off anymore.
1: Welcome back to A Plan For That Podcast with Aaron and Vince. And Vince, oh man, with everything that's going on, I am so glad that we have our special guest, Taki Chappelle, today. And why don't you go ahead and tell us why he's so awesome?
0: An eight-year veteran of the media industry with a resume that includes stints at the Washington Post and Philadelphia Inquirer, Tahid is also right now the executive board member and parliamentarian of the Philadelphia Association of Black Journalists, the oldest association of black journalists in the country, and the chapter responsible for founding the National Association. Welcome to the show, Tahid. Welcome to A Plan for That. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's so good to see you here. It's I, I was I was telling Aaron before we started recording, and uh, and I'm really excited to have you on the show today. That uh, Tahit and I have been float we floated around one another in the journalism space for for the last several years, and uh, and have been mutually beneficial of 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 one another's work of of really pushing forward what journalism means in the cannabis space specifically because we both entered. Um, journalism and cannabis at the same time that it was at that cannabis was entering the mainstream conversation and uh, and legacy news organizations were confronted with the fact that they had been used to propagate lies and and government propaganda about cannabis which they were now going to have to themselves unpack and and unfold and and it really was making me refocus what being a journalist meant and uh, and and I understand that to you at that time you were also Come into terms with with the role of journalism in, in modern society. It's been
2: a journey between the both of us, and and first shout out to your work um, at the cannabis, and, and and really doing some awesome work in, in making sure that the right information, the proper information, was actually addressed and dispersed. And um, you know, having having someone like Ricardo Baca who spoke at the Canlanic conference too, what must have been an awesome experience as well. But uh, you know the, the entry point of understanding really to, to, to trust your sources, understand where this information is coming from and, you know, be skeptical and, and all that has been, has been great. So, you know, thanks, thanks just for having me and and being a part of this conversation. Oh
0: man, that that means a lot to me. And, and it's, it's cool to hear the the cannabis even acknowledged because it felt so punk rock and so small when we were doing it at the time. And, uh, and, and it really was at that time that I was building the, the, I was unlearning what journalism school had taught me and, and reapplying and rebuilding the news gathering skills um, that, that I still use now as a, as a citizen journalist and, 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 and as host with Aaron on a plan for that, is, is indeed vetting vetting sources, but not necessarily trusting established sources to be the experts that they claim to be, um, and that ripples throughout. I mean. It was it was very apparent in cannabis uh, because because they had literally been lying for so long, but it but it ripples out importantly into every other facet of, um, of of media today, and that's really why I'm I'm so excited to have you on the show because I think it informs how people look at what media really is and really should be. Um, and, and, and especially um, out, out of Philadelphia, where the Inquirer was seeing black journalists and black reporters pulled from covering Black Lives Matter uh, uh, stories and, and movements, and it was also happening across the state in Pittsburgh at the same time, and, and, and uh, uh, even the Washington Post was having. I mean, it was, it was remnants of 2014's conversations happening all again. Uh, I guess that the, the, the summation of all that and the question that it all builds to and leads to and, and, and why you're here— um, is what's going on for progressives who want to be able to trust their news gathering specifically we want to we want to know that we that we have faith in the people who are speaking to us
2: so from from my experience working in, in commercial media I've, I've spent four years in TV four years in newspapers um, two of them you, you reference the Washington Post and the Philadelphia Inquirer um, journalists don't have a whole lot of time on their hands right they are inherently crunched for time because of some model and preference to what is news how is news delivered when is news um, pushed out etc cetera, etc cetera. deadline after deadline after deadline i think people who often don't see the issues that they care about reflected in the local media ecosystem um, th- there's a myriad of reasons for that, but you can change that though. And, and and there are ways to change that. Um, a lot of journalists do not have the capacity and sometimes they're just incompetent to, so let's acknowledge that of actually reaching out to community members, talking with people and actually getting issues that are outside a typical lens, um, that we often see in mainstream, um, one, which is pretty white and privileged. Uh, so the. Empetus, unfortunately, has to usually falls on the community member to actively engage with journalists in their local um, ecosystem. And at least the easy part is, is that there's always ways to get contact information of journalists. Um, There's always ways to reach out to reporters and, and try to establish a relationship with them. But as, as you try to get a journalist's attention, you know, just recognize that the relationship is meaningful, that there is a an opportunity here to really talk to someone who has an opportunity to amplify and get your issue, your solution, your thoughts, your perspective, your community's perspectives, your community's thoughts and issues out to the masses and really to help inform a public conscious that may not be focused on your particular issue or your community's issue. So to be a you know, responsible news gatherer is to one, you know listen to the issues that are coming out of your community members. Um, make sure that you are acknowledging kind of your bias and your own um, perspectives and finding people that, you know, don't come from your background. Um, you know, for me, you know, being, being black, but also being Indian, you know, I don't get a whole lot of perspective and I need to get better at this from talking to Indian progressives, for example, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't have a lot of people that I know that are Indian and progressive. Um, so I have to do a better job at reaching out to my community and learning and connecting and, and hearing from them. Um, and then, you know, I, I, I would love to learn more from people who come from, um, indigenous communities. I, we don't hear a lot of information because they're not reached out to. People aren't talking to them. But I want to gain a better understanding of issues that impact my community, but are also impacting others' communities. And as I get to learn about my community and understand and identify these issues, working with journalists to bring them in and say, listen, like you're missing this. Look at all these issues and look at all these successes. Look at all the things that this community is coming up with. But you're not you're not seeing this, like, and here's why it's important that people need to know about this. And so um, not everyone has the ability or capability to reach out and interact with the media, too. Not all of us are trained to interact with journalists and talk to journalists as well. So if you are able and you feel comfortable doing that, reach out to your local journalists and talk to them. Find out why they talk about specific stories. Learn what stories do they need help with? What are their struggles? See where you can find an opportunity to kind of build a, a good mutual relationship. And on top of that, people may not have the ability or privilege to, to realize how, you know, newspapers or TV stations work, but even a local journalist has a boss to talk to. They have a boss to report to. Learn who their bosses are. Power map your local media ecosystem and understand who the journalists are, who the producers are, who the editors are, the executive producers, et cetera, et cetera, the managing editors. And you can kind of start to get to understand kind of the power dynamics and power structures internally that will help influence you and understand how do I want to talk to the right journalist or the right editor about this particular issue, too. It's a very interesting like song and dance type of thing. But I, I think as in terms of being a responsible news gatherer, is to understand the local dynamics of your local news ecosystem. Bring that information back to your community members so they can understand how to interact with journalists and how the media works. And then together build a, a, a coalition or, or a, an opportunity to do outreach to journalists and talk to them about, you know, what's going on in your in your neighborhood and why it's important.
1: That is so inspiring. I, I have a question and Vince is going to laugh because it's either going to be, too broad or too controversial. That's how I roll, I guess. (laughs) Um, So my question, Tahid, is around the idea of returning to a nonprofit news. And the reason I bring that up so frequently in my conversations with Vince is I have done some research on who owns and who uh, profits by owning uh, MSNBC, NBC, Universal, and the like, um, as well as CNN. And just in case you don't know, listeners, they're friends of Trump. They're Trump buddies. (laughs) So um, it's almost going to be impossible to break through an agenda once it's already been placed. And I think that's why we get all of these really non helpful narratives coming out like Dems in disarray. Do the Dems have a platform? What are Dems doing? Why aren't Dems acting? You know, it, it's very frustrating to me. And I just feel like um, either I'm too old, or I don't know, that uh, I'm old enough, <laughs> in that phrase, to remember when the news was the news. It didn't depend on what the ratings were going to be. And when I watched it change over, you guys, I watched it almost turn into a movie. It went from that standard teletype um, tapping noise to sirens and police cars and murder at 11 on such and such a block, you know. Um, And I really think that's where we lost it. I think that's where we lost the play for just the facts. What do you guys think?
2: Media And the way journalism was established since the occupation of the land that we currently sit on, journalism and media has always been made for privileged white communities, specifically narrated and shaped by privileged white men. People and communities that have historically always been in positions of power. So what we see in nonprofit journalism, uh, you know, commercial journalism, any type of media corporation that operates within this capitalistic structure has been in the benefit for white communities and has been white centered since its creation, whether that's newspapers, whether that's radio, whether that's TV, etc. Right? And so the business model has always been shaped to attract white audiences and white attention. That is the community that has a lot of money. That is the voting block power. That is the majority of the public that you want to influence, to inform, to showcase what is powerful, to showcase what is weak, to showcase what's controversial, et cetera, et cetera. Ratings, consumption of media was always the name of the game and we are living in an information, um, society where information has always been of value, right? There's, there's some sort of monetization of, of, of information. And so, the the shift that we've seen, and cannabis comes into play here, is the shift that we've seen is that there has always been a racist attitude towards people who are not white. Right? You have you have immigrants who come from China that were that were demonized, that were othered, that were really trying to be socio like like their their socioeconomic base was destabilized because they were um when they came over during the Gold Rush, before then, when the Transcontinental Railroad was being created, their workforce and their labor became a competition with white labor, right? And so you had this system of othering and, and trying to dealign these new communities in America to ensure that white populations had access to jobs, safety, money, etc. And one way, they did that to demonize, Chinese communities, and other communities like Mexican communities as well, was to use media to to show them in a light that made it look bad or made it look dangerous or made it look um, un-American or, you know, un-Christian, so to speak, to white communities. And so that's when you start to see a shift in media around drug use. You know, Chinese using opium, for example, was very much demonized. And so that actually influenced what we would eventually see where all the cops, all the sirens, all the, the gun violence, all the black violence shown in TV. So this has always been a historical pattern that we've seen and we haven't really shaken it from, from that. It's just with TV, it became a lot more visually violent and, you know, consuming. And
0: it's, 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 it's evolved even, even further in a, in a, in a crazy way. As as criminalization beyond just drug criminalization, I mean, there's there is absolutely no denying that the racist war on drugs and the criminalization of cannabis has led led to the massive inequities in, in over incarceration of Black and Brown communities, and and a lot of the mess that we are currently in is respon- is due to the over criminalization of of cannabis, but it's also evolved past that just to the to the fetishization by corporate by corporate media of black criminalization um the traditional uh tracing back to like when the 24-hour news cycle and when corporate like i don't remember corporate media being like this is the oj simpson uh highway chase it was it was a a a racist way too long voyeuristic look at a black man fleeing from from law enforcement and then the 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 trial out from that was the first 24-7 again it's a criminal trial of a a black celebrity man who 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 had the audacity to compare himself as is equal to the white community in Brentwood being absolutely dragged through the mud to create the culture of the 24 hour news cycle. 30 years later, we have Fox news and we have these openly white nationalist cable networks that are elevating people like Donald Trump and elevating white fear as, as, as at, at like the absolute end point of that fear based propaganda, yellow paper. And like, like it does, it is all racially based and it is all traced back. And to Aaron's point, nonpartisan or partisan-leaning nonprofit intentional journalism and to Tahid's point where you know the journalists where you can trace them inside of your community like I think that all of this tied together into one little message is incredibly incredibly important one know who your journalists are here in Denver the best journalist is a guy named Kevin Beatty who works for the not-for-profit Colorado Public Radio Denverite he is at everything he is at everything he has the trust of activists of elected officials of the cops like everybody knows knows him because he is on the ground and he works for a, 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 a publicly funded, member-supported, not-for-profit uh, news organization, Colorado Public Radio. Everybody's heard of NPR. Everybody knows this model that can be created on smaller scale and rippled everywhere in, in, in many different mediums. It's possible in every market to, to fix how messed up the, the, the media machine has become once we're willing to recognize that it is one long, linear story from wanting to control white power all the way through to right now where we're watching the cable news networks possibly re-elect Donald Trump for a second term.
1: Yeah, and I'm so glad that you're both bringing these things to the head because especially with what Tahid was saying, I I was so intrigued because you're right, it usually has been the white voting bloc, but Honestly, guys, that game's over. I, there are voters that we're really turning out and consistently turning out for Democrats in every single race in 2018. Was our women of color? Bravo, women of color. We love you. We need you. So, how does this all change now that the the demographic isn't isn't all white isn't all privilege it shouldn't be
2: we're seeing the we're seeing the literal oppression of everybody in in a dying desperate attempt to maintain control i mean mm-hmm. the i think the census bureau predicted that in 2050 we will have more people of color than white people i mean there there is a power shift happening as we see it but in reaction to that we are seeing white backlash oppression and full use of all sorts of tools and surveillance models to make sure that the power change is, is, is mitigated and never happens. And so, um, you know, you, you, you see why there's been such a dichotomy of media now because we, we see two different realities now just completely schism, right? We have two completely different realities one, which is what we know is the truth of oppression and suppression and the understanding of our, our history. And another that completely, completely disregards that reality and decides to maintain the one that they think exists, you know, it's, it's, an, it's, it's, it's going to get hard, it's going to get even harder to, to really, and, and I think that's why it's interesting to really see the fight around misinformation and disinformation, it's going to get harder, it's only going to get harder To really help other people discern the differences in what they're consuming
1: and meaning. The people who are in power that want to hold on to that power with every last vicious grip that they have are going to do everything they can to make us feel divided, to make us hate one another, to put things forth that really aren't true. Okay, listeners, I want you to understand this. The bulk of the country, and I worked on the Elizabeth Warren campaign, the bulk of the country agrees with progressive politics. They agree with the ideas of a wealth tax. They agree with universal pre-K and um, canceling college debt. Those are popular. It's 75% of registered voters. You will not hear this on any media channel. So this is kind of what I'm throwing out there. There's There's a vested interest in making us seem like the fringe left, as opposed to what we really are, which is very popular, popular politics.
0: I mean, the beauty of a plan for that is that we're recognizing that everybody out there, like the majority of this country, 75 percent of this country is ready for a new progressive agenda and is ready to see new progressive electeds across the country. Um, We're still sending money to our friends over at Operation Frederick Douglass to make sure that they're uh, that they're efforts are 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 always well funded and well uh well put to put um progresses in office across the country because it's a never-ending fight upwards but we do have the momentum with us uh so yeah we're the united left i think
1: that's exactly right and i'm so glad you brought up up fred douglas because they are Our next week's guest and Tahid, I'm kind of excited about all of these podcasts and progressive groups because honestly, the more, the better, the louder, the voice, the louder, the voice, the more they listen, right?
2: Yes. And one thing I wanted to give a shout out to, to dovetail off of um, what you were saying about 75%. um, This is why uh, a major, I I think anyone who's listening to this podcast to, to just reinforce that voter suppression is going to continue and that if we're talking about a big like news story if there's something that you want to talk to your journalist about like any local journalist make sure you emphasize voter suppression particularly for black and brown communities as well because that is going to happen that is going to happen and and that's going to continue to happen so um be be just in tune about what people are saying of, of are they getting their mail like the delays in mails like Keep an eye out on USPS, keep an eye out on hearing if people have trouble registering to vote, getting ready to vote, et cetera, Um, and and be aware of any sort of just um, awkward, awkward things that happen that always happen, somehow happen around election time. Um, Just be aware of that because voter suppression is going to be a huge conversation and that's something that everyone needs to amplify. And, and make loud too. yeah
0: to, to 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 absolutely double down on that and to actualize another like way that you see it play out in the real world as um those you know if you live in a state where there's mobile voting centers or uh, or mobile drop-off balloting centers or, or, or they're doing that uh definitely check out which communities those rvs or those uh those trailers are going to look at how affluent the community is and also look at how close it is to one of their brick and mortar polling places already and compare that to the number of uh brick and mortar places and travel of polling places that are going to predominantly black and brown communities or less affluent uh communities as well because that is a a very easy way for them to to show white liberals look we are mobilizing the get out the vote we even have this trailer that is parked right in front of your actual voting center for some reason while black and brown folk across cities can't can't don't have any access to anything like that's that's a very easy way that even democratic controlled places can 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 continue to suppress black and brown votes because there is a very real interest in it so uh it's never been more important to be diligent and keep that eye out
2: and and aaron i want to speak to your uh, just briefly mentioning your, your your kind of dream about you know if
0: everybody had a
2: i mean that dream can happen if everyone acknowledges their privilege like if we start to actually work together as a community and not settle in for this individualism and everyone kind of can have that consciousness of acknowledging, acknowledging our history and our privilege and, like, really the atrocities that have happened, uh, I think we, we could move in that direction. It's just trying to get some people to realize that atrocities have happened and continue to happen and to, like, step up and own up to it, you know?
1: Yes! Here, here! I'm sorry, but that deserves a clap. It really does. Um, I had somebody that read those stories about forced hysterectomies and then the 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 collective mind just went wow that was awful now what no i'm sorry not now what this this is something that deserves attention this is something that deserves action and vince will tell you i may not know about how um, specific races work. I'm learning as we go, and everybody knows that. Uh, but I definitely know how to raise a crowd. And we went from just hearing one or two people talk about that story to it being national news to there being an investigation. So listeners, even if you're just an annoying loudspeaker on Twitter like I am, you can get things accomplished. And that is the point.
0: That absolutely is the point. And Taheed, one of the things that we, uh, we make all of our guests here on a plan for that is is help people do exactly that and build a plan so um, lately I have been playing the part of citizen journalist in the Denver protests Um, I used to actually cover the the, I have been I've been covering the Denver Freedom Riders since 2014 when I landed here and uh, and after I left the Denver Post in 2016 nothing stopped or 20, whenever I left that paper, nothing stopped. I've been covering it, but this summer with the escalation <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and with my ability and, you know, some of my friends won elected office, so it's, it's been easier to have access again. Uh, I've been playing the role of citizen journalist and, and having a lot of fun getting back to my roots, um, and one of the things that a lot of kids at these actions, and I say kids, like, with no mean of disrespect. I, I, I recognize that some of you are older than me, um, but some of these kids at these actions are, are, are really wanting to do is, is be the journalist, too, and, and they're scared they haven't gone to J school. They're scared they have no training. They're, they're scared of this. They're scared of that. Um, um feel- Yeah, exactly. Explain. Elaborate, please. <laughs>
2: Listen, I was supposed to be a biology student and then a film student. And then I suddenly ended up becoming a social media person for a TV station. And it's all because I just wanted to learn about people and see important stories and talk about important stories and share stories in I tell everybody like you do not have to go to any sort of J school, any sort of school to do journalism. Anyone can apply journalism is a practice. It's not it's not a who you are. I don't ever say I'm a capital J journalist. Like, no, that's journalist as as a profession is a very privileged, a very, very, very privileged. I don't I don't care how we all got up into the industry, but if you were hired by a newspaper, you were hired by a local radio station, you were hired. That's a privilege. There's something that got you there, right? And so um, anyone can just find stories and and tell them and and get better at telling them and then do research and find data and, and use public records and just say, look at all of this stuff that one shows an issue or two like celebrates something that people don't realize like exists, right? History can often be lost and we lose a lot of successes in that history, right? So I think anyone can, ca- can, can, can practice journalism. If you want to tell people's story, talk to people, hear from people. You know, I, I think the commercialization of journalism is really talk to people because you think it'll come out of a good story and there's a transactional feeling to it. But like, if you genuinely care about something and you want to learn more about it, talk to people. That's how I got into cannabis. You know, people call me a cannabis journalist sometimes. I'm like, uh, you know, I'm not a, you know, I don't even say a J- capital J journalist. I'm just practicing journalism. I'm a cannabis educator, but I'm, a, I'm practicing journalism of gathering information, talking to people, giving facts, you know, researching and presenting that, you know,
0: so. That was, I mean, absolutely the perfect response. And uh, a friend, a friend of mine, uh, he's a, he's a, he's a, one of the best journalists I know. And uh, I would call him a capital J journalist. And he would insist that he just is fortunate enough to practice acts of journalism. Is what is what he says. He's like the majority of the time. I'm a I'm a roofer and I'm a woodworker. And uh, every once in a while, I go tell important stories. And uh, that's yeah. That's all, I, I agree. That's all I take.
1: Well, so my last question, and and this is a burning one in my mind. Uh, Vince knows because as soon as you were announced, it was a long time ago too, listeners. It was about two months ago that we were lucky enough to get Tahid. To how how do we make the steps to make journalism matter again who do we support where do we go what is the action that we take today what
0: do
2: hmm this is a good question right <laughs> well one if you're going to reach out to journalists do reach out to black journalists and journalists of color and connect with them too right mm-hmm. really make an effort for that because often mm-hmm. people do not do that when they only go to the people that they see the bylines on and that in of itself is a whole power dynamic but <laughs> i will say is that first understand how journalists do their jobs like I think really reaching out and finding a journalist that you do like or you like their stories you like their storytelling you like the way that they highlight issues things that you gravitate towards reach out to them and learn how they do their job get to understand the inner working of a uh, newsroom because I think once you have that and you understand the power dynamics and all the ways that stories are emphasized or not emphasized that will make your understanding of how to specifically organize or um, use a tactic to get more amplification on an issue or something that people in your community or you care about so i really think that understanding how your local media ecosystem works right now and what it's missing because what 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 i really like about this is that in cannabis journalism there's so much missing and so you can kind of identify all these things that people are not seeing And you're able to build a, a, a a amplification to say, look how many people are being impacted. Right. And so you'll notice what your local media ecosystem whether it's your newspaper, your, your radio, et cetera, what they focus on, what they prioritize, what they think is important, and be able to bring more of the stuff that they're missing to life. And journalists do love finding out things that they don't know about, and they do tend to gravitate towards those issues too. So, uh, you know, get, get better at understanding how they work and operate. And you'll be able to see, oh, this is why they do these things. And that's going to be beneficial.
1: That's so much better than just tagging Rachel Maddow on Twitter and saying, please cover this story. It's really do important. You ask a
2: journalist, hey, you know, I, I, I kind of want to just learn how you do your job. Like I, I'm interested in stories, like all that. A lot of journalists will talk your ear off because <laughs> you don't really get a whole lot of love. Right. So like, if you, not saying that you lie to a person say, oh, I want to be a journalist, but like, if you generally want to like understand, like, I really like this story or like bring that up. People, journalists do not hear, especially black journalists, black journalists do not hear a lot of good things. They never do. And so if you're reaching out to a black journalist and you're saying, Hey, I really like this story. I thought this was a really good story. That means a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. So uh, that's why I say talk to journalists of color, really talk to them because a lot of the oppression that they have to go through they don't even get attention from a lot of the public sometimes, too. It goes a long way. So find a journalist, get to know them, build a good relationship.
1: I love it. That sounds really good. And everybody, even if you don't know your local community, like um, down to your city, you definitely know your larger community. For instance, we're here in Chicago, as my accent always tells everyone. Um, so that could be the Chicago Tribune, but it could also be your your um, local gazette whatever you want to call it <laughs> the local newspaper
0: absolutely listeners in fact here let's make it a homework assignment everybody take the show link to this episode grab Tahid's twitter handle and uh, take those to Twitter to your local black journalist, or your favorite black journalist, and DM them and send them this episode link and say, "Hey, Tahit said that I'm supposed to say I love you. He says personally that he loves you on this show. You should share this Shout show. Out to black
2: journalists, I love black journalists, black citizen journalists. I love
0: black communities. Love y'all. Shout out to everybody. Yeah, I will double. I, Amen, I will double down mother. on that hard. I love y'all. Um, speaking of which we like to, we like to always ask our guests at the, at the, at the end of their appearance to, to let our listeners know where they should send their support, send their money. Um, small dollar donations to political candidates is what we taught as what we ask our organizer guests. But if you know a Patreon or a, or a nonprofit journalism group that definitely needs something wherever you think they could use an inundation of three to $5, uh, uh, where should we send those? Drug policy Alliance. Ooh, the kids at DPA are some of the best in the country. Definitely send them $10 this week if you can afford it. Drug Policy Alliance deserves it. Cassandra does amazing work for them. And
2: uh, I'm just in awe about the, the, the work that she brings. She, she does such a good job. And shout out to Queen as well, who works there. She's amazing.
1: Excellent. Thank you so much for that. I really appreciate it, Tahid. I pulled up their site. Guys, it's super easy to donate. Um, and it looks like... Not only is it tax deductible, but you'll be putting sensible health-based drug policies that support people instead of punishing them in power.
0: That's awesome. All right, where do our listeners keep in touch with you, Tahid? Where do we find out a little bit more? Um, (laughs) Google search T-A-U-H-I-D
2: as in dog, last name, season, Charlie, H-A-P-P-E-L-L. I will pop up, I'm all over Google. Um, if you want to specifically follow, like what I do in like the cannabis space, definitely check, check out the CanAlanic conference on Instagram, but otherwise follow me on Instagram. I follow back. Um, yeah. And, uh, I appreciate this conversation. I really be, I really appreciate being put on.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much, Shahid. I'm so glad that we were able to have you on the show with such a, oh man, very unique and, and hugely impressive experience in your background, Um, you really helped me open my eyes to what is the underlying problem. And the good news is once you know what it is, you can start working on a fix because we always want a plan for that. Stick around listeners, after a couple of quick messages from candidates that we're very happy to support here on A Plan For That, we'll return with more fun and more plans.
3: The path that I've been on in my life, I've always had some odds against me and people have said oh you can't do this or you can't do that and I mean coming from a single parent household in a rough neighborhood statistically speaking I you know I was supposed I was more probable to go to jail than I was to go to West Point so when I got to West Point and people were like oh you know everybody here is class president it would be very difficult for you to be class president or these are some of the best runners in the country that are here i don't know how you're going to rise above them and be their leader and the captain of the track team i had already been told no so many times and i already had faced so many odds that i didn't care about it i really didn't so after graduation when it was when it came time to choose a branch and what i would do in the military i wanted to be on the front lines i wanted to be again a leader amongst leaders and all that confidence came from the long road that i had already traveled like 22 23 years old so leading a platoon in iraq as a 23 year old and the average age of my platoon was like 26 27 30 30 people's lives in my hands and then getting them all home safely like there isn't many things in life that can give you that kind of confidence so now when i hear you can't do this or you can't do that or that's difficult it's just in one ear and out of the other like i've seen difficult you know this isn't it
0: and welcome back to A Plan for That. Ugh, it always feels, I'm very sorry for, for, for nerding out so deep. I can talk journal, like, journalists do love to talk about themselves, as, as, as um, Tahid said. And it brought me back to my nights in the newsroom when we would be there for some reason until 3 a.m. discussing the, our own ethos way too late into the evening for no purpose other than to hear our own voices. But it felt nice to me, Aaron. How are you?
1: I feel so much better. Um, There there was just such a feeling of being weighed down by how the news isn't treating what is important as important, but... Now, Taheed has given us a recipe to move forward. How we can change the news cycle? How we can affect things? And listeners, we already saw it when we angry blasted Rachel Maddow on Twitter, and she finally covered the forced hysterectomies. Um, so, so things work. I mean, activism works. Staying engaged works. It, Taking action.
0: Absolutely. I think it's also important to uh, to to note what 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 the differences between the cable news cycle and the actual news cycle in the, in the voters' bases, which is something that we just didn't get deep enough into with Tahid, because it deserves a, an election or, or an episode entirely to itself. In the, in the what are people talking about and, and, and why are they talking about it? And I think that's why it's so wonderful that we took so much time to talk about being a responsible news gatherer, vetting your sources, and, and, and not necessarily trusting any one institution as where you go for your news but finding the individual journalists and the individual people who are working inside those machines that are doing the work on the ground in your community that are actually talking about the local variant on what is happening. Because Aaron and I, while we're very good at it, we're not the only two people who are localizing your story and and, and helping you make it about you. There are people in your area who are doing it too. So don't trust institutions, trust in- individuals, and go find the individuals that you can really trust and make sure that you are vetting them across multiple sources.
1: Absolutely. And I so appreciate that he brought in the all-important piece of privilege. And to really understand where your news is coming from, because if your news is coming from white privilege, then you'll probably get an agenda that suits white privilege.
0: Yeah. If you are if you're listening to this show, chances are you found us through Twitter. If you didn't find us through Twitter, please let us know how you found us. Um, but you know, take this time, go find and follow uh, a few Black journalists, a few uh, Latinx journalists, a few Indian journalists. Go make sure that you are diversifying your feed. Uh, and and and. That is a, an easy call to action that Tahid suggested that I definitely endorse, and I know Aaron will double down on as we uh, as we transition to our call to action and easy ways that we can take our, our newly learned skills of news of being responsible news gatherers and uh, and helping it and putting it to work. To uh, to elect an army of progressives, uh, I have an easy call to action this week, and then uh, and then it, it, it makes way into Karen Sung's larger, uh, slightly more depressing, uh, much more crucial call to action uh, uh, that we're gonna that we're gonna get into that we teased earlier in the show, and that is one that comes suggested to me from a friend uh, in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, she is. Just freshly back from applying to become a poll worker, where everybody is desperately in need of paid, paid poll workers right now. At least in the city of New York, and uh, and I've checked a couple of other states and a couple of other cities are also looking for these. Uh, If you are. In the gig economy, uh, I'm, that sucks. Uh, I'm here too, uh, but uh, the but this is a wonderful gig that's really important. That I definitely suggest that that you go grab, especially since the majority of people who take these pull working jobs are uh, tend to be 65 year old white women, uh, and 65 year old white women, as we know, are amongst the most vulnerable to COVID, which is the pandemic that is taking place in the background to all of the other stuff that is going on in our fruit salad of end times. Um, and so if you're young and able and looking for money and looking for jobs, please, uh, see if they are hiring poll workers in your area, uh, get to work as a poll worker. I will plug vote dot as a place that you can go check, uh, all of your local resources too. uh, even though, you know, thank you for listening to us instead of Crooked Media.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We're so glad to have you. And like Vince said, this is an extreme call to action. And I want to put a shout out yet again to our friend Karen Sung, who was kind enough not only to come on the show and teach us about abolishing the Electoral College, she now has a plan to fix what we like to call or... Are afraid to call the nightmare scenario so getting back to what we briefly touched on in the first uh, part of the show the nightmare scenario for the election is if neither presidential candidate gets enough votes in the electoral college to be a clear winner Um, This is something that is not just bandered about on social media. This is something that's actually being planned for in the Democratic House of Representatives. And there are certain races that we must win. It is an imperative in order to take enough votes in the House. Because what happens, listeners, when you don't get enough Electoral College votes is the House of Representatives decides. And if that House isn't completely Democratic majority, then it gets to the Senate. So job number one, listen to the races that I'm about to give you, follow them on Twitter, give them money, give them time. I even added to my five campaigns that I'm already working for by signing up for every single one of them. You certainly don't have to take your cue from me. I know that your family will probably appreciate it if you don't, (laughs) but follow at least one or two, get friends to follow the rest, amplify them on Twitter. These races are in Alaska, Montana, Pennsylvania, Texas, Michigan, and Florida. First of all, super excited that any of these states are even possible for Democrats. Yay us. Second of all, here are the names. In Alaska, it's Elise Galvin, at A-L-Y-S-E-G-A-L-V-I-N on Twitter. Next in Montana, it's Kathleen Williams at Williams 4, for F O R, M is in Mary T as in Tom. Then in Pennsylvania, the first person is Eugene De Pasquale, which is at D E P like Paul A S Q U A L E P A. The second person in Pennsylvania is Christina Finello. F I N E L L O 4 P A on Twitter. Mike Siegel in Texas is at Siegel, S I E G as in George E L for Texas. And the next Texan is Julie Oliver at Julie Oliver T X. Then over in Michigan, we're looking at Hillary Schulten, and that's at Hillary. S-C-H O L T E N. And then lastly, we're looking at Florida for Alan Cone at Allen A-L-A-N-M like Mary Cone C O H N. And he's running in Florida. So those are the house, those are the house races that we absolutely need to win in order to make sure that we avoid the nightmare scenario. This is if we want a clear win in the House. However, it goes without saying we've got to take the Senate, Vince. It's my every single goal, every single day.
0: Yeah, it's going I mean, the House is vital. The Senate, it's 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 all crucial, especially as we uh, as we watch ourselves lose the court probably for my daughter's lifetime. Uh, it's, it's never been more important that we, uh, that we be ready to, to, to combat this and take this on as immediately as possible. Um, in fact, right now, all of those races that you just heard Aaron read are pinned in the top of the, uh, the show's Twitter profile. They're also all linked in the show notes for this week's show. Um, so go check out the show at Pod. or we're at plan for that podcast on uh twitter and uh and, and check the pinned tweet for for easy links to in case you didn't have a pen handy uh if you if you didn't have a pen handy though rewind write them all down because we are 34 days out if you are listening to this the day that this dropped and uh and it has never been more important to uh to keep a democratic majority in the in the united states house of representatives
1: Absolutely, Vince. I'm looking at a complete blue takeover. Blue presidency, blue House expanded majority, and a blue Senate. It sounds real good to me, and I know we could all use a nice refreshing cleanse.
0: Absolutely. And as part of that refreshing cleanse, a little bit of that mental health break is in order for everybody. Uh, It's important to do something entertaining to unplug And on that note, tonight is the very first United States uh, presidential debate between President Donald J. Trump and uh, former Vice President Joseph r biden is it an r i believe it's an r i shouldn't have I it is oh, yay! i was i was like oh, i was so confident on uh, on trump's middle initial that i i shouldn't have swung with it but i'm glad it worked out um and i will be relaxing by actually watching this but i won't be doing it coherently um i will definitely be doing it with with drinks and uh and and state legal drugs um but and, and i'm looking forward to the debates honestly aaron how about how about you
1: I am so looking forward to the debates for the reason that you just stated. So with our business done, listeners, it's time to bring the tea. Here's what I'm going to be doing as I listen to the debates. Every time I hear the word tremendous or all the best or only get better, I'm drinking because we know that Donald Trump is a lying machine and everything that comes out of his mouth is just one larger lie.
0: It's so true. I, I've, I've been listening to a lot of... um. Of, of, of mainstream cable media and pundrant uh, adjacent podcasters kind of fret about how people are going to receive the uh, the debates and, and, and that the moderators aren't going to fact-check in real time and a lot of pearl-clutching and hand-wringing and, like, a lot of, like, as if the presidential debates have been anything other than, but um, you know, an MTV pop-up-style video Uh, uh, entertainment machine and and not like when were they ever a legitimate source of presidential candidate information Um, nobody is 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 making their decision based on what they are seeing tonight everybody is just tuning in to see some WWF wrestling at this point because that is what President Trump has descended the, the the podium to so why take it seriously um, I'm very, I'm excited. I'm excited to, to drink along with you and to tweet along with you and to have some fun. People are going to be hearing this after the fact, so uh, go back to our Twitter feeds. It was a great time. Uh, don't miss the next one, and make sure that you're following uh, both of us and the show because there are somehow or another two more of these debates planned, although I can't wait to see the excuses both candidates pull out of their pockets to bail on them. Uh, where do people follow you, Aaron, and uh, also who are you personally endorsing? This week.
1: So I am so glad that you said that. First, um, I will say that I am endorsing, as I have been since the very beginning, uh, Reverend Raphael Warnock in Georgia, and I'm adding Mike. ESPY in Mississippi. These races are so close, you guys. It doesn't mean that we should sleep on Jamie Harrison, though. He is also doing very well in his race. And so are all the Democrats, really. Um, so who I'm giving my money to this week will probably make everybody just kind of Shout that they can't do that because I shouldn't be doing that, but I'm giving it to everyone. Okay, I'm giving it to every single Democratic race, every single Senate race, and yeah, I'll just pay my credit card bill. It'll be mm-hmm. fine.
0: I absolutely love that. I check every request that I make with uh with for 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 money with an if you are able to. And uh, man, I am so happy that Aaron, you are able to, or at least a, <laughs> a, a credit card company is allowing you to still, because it is so important to support all. Of of these people me myself real quick i'll just say that i'm personally endorsing uh, amy Patton for da here in colorado she's uh she's running in colorado 18th as well as uh as representative stephen woodrow uh he's in a not not a hard race but an important race to to, to keep colorado's state house blue uh and he's just a good human being and a good dude who who, who deserves your support um as far as sending money please go check my pinned tweet um, and, and, and support our efforts in getting the, uh, the Colorado delegation in D.C. to support Shanika Carter's uh, caravan for racial justice. Uh, send them money as well directly uh, if you can do that, as well as supporting the efforts of, uh, of, 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 of the Colorado delegation in standing against the, uh, the Republican Senate majority, choosing to, to buck norms, buck trends, and, uh, and fill the seats of a Supreme Court with a, uh, with a nominee from a corrupt, impeached, criminal president.
1: Exactly right. I don't want any Handmaid's Tale in my reality. Thank you very much. Um, Also on Twitter, you'll be able to see what I've been saying since the news dropped yesterday. And that is this. Elizabeth Warren was right about every damn thing and people need to realize that if joe biden wins the presidency and does not pass her anti-corruption laws we've got a lot more work to do than we think so please add that in when you're talking to your electeds. Uh, this week about making sure that they are open to expanding the court so that we don't have, like I said, a handmaid's tale to live in. Um, Also mention that the anti-corruption plan that Elizabeth had years ago before all of this was necessary is absolutely job number one. We've got to make sure this never happens again.
0: We do. We have a lot of work to do. So Thank you so much for listening along to uh, a plan for that with us while we build a plan for all of that work that we are doing. Make sure that you've hit that subscribe button wherever you are listening uh after you've hit subscribe drop a review hit five stars no matter what you thought of the show hit five stars that's important um <laughs> and then also hit that share button send it to five of your friends it's an old political organizer trick to ask everybody who attended your event to bring five new friends to next week's event and that's how you build a community that's how you build a coalition and i'm asking you to to uphold a little bit of that energy here in this digital era ask five of your friends to join our organizing effort here send this dm this show to them because this isn't going to work unless your people are, are, are buying into it with you too. So please share the show. Follow along on Twitter at plan for that podcast. Um, we're, we're doing everything that we can on Twitter and through Twitter. Uh, check that pinned tweet uh, on the profile at plan for that podcast as well for all of those important races from our friend Karen Sung on uh, on where we really need to be sending our focus and in, in the finish line here for the U.S. House of Representatives. Um, I'm at Vinny Chant on Twitter and on Instagram um, and at producer Vince on on Facebook. I'd love to have you. Uh, join my community personally as well because you know i i I really feel i i I yell into the void and sometimes it's really nice to have the void yell back
1: absolutely and if you want to yell into the void come yell with me on my personal twitter account which is at wellness w-e-l-l-n-e-s-s for you the number for you 13 that is where i am my most militant that is where we're growing the army of progressives and i cannot tell you how excited i am vince for next week where we talk with alex at op frederick douglas they are building a progressive army we are going together we are holding hands getting stronger every day i can't wait
0: Big money in politics is one of my absolute favorite topics to cover. I am so excited about talking the importance of uh, supporting progressive PACs like Officer Douglas next week with them. Everybody, please remember to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss the conversation. Share the show with five friends, and we will see you then.
1: Got our marching orders. Let's go.